My name is Michael Sullivan and I'm your host for today. Welcome to the next instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined with a very special panel, our first all-female only panel, extremely experienced panel of our very unique podcast. Um, the topic today is building perform high performance teams. Um, before we delve deeper into the topic, I'd like to work our way around. Um, I'd like to hear some introductions. I'd like to know who you are, what you do, your journey up to now, um, and what you're passionate about. I'll start off with you, Bhavna. All right. Hi. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I'm Bhavna Popley. I'm head of technology at Uxnet Porter Group. I have over 20 years experience building and delivering software, working with engineering product ops and business teams. Um, in the last so many years, I've done varied roles in my journey of being a developer, DBA tester, scrum master, program lead, delivery manager, and now I'm head of tech delivery um, in one of the biggest retail names in the luxury industry. I on my on my personal kind of front, I have recently relocated from West London to South London after 20 years in West London. Um, so I'm still finding my feet and, and you know, using the sat to go to the green grocers and back. Um, I like to cook, eat, eat what I cook, sing, <laughs> go for walks, long walks and spend some quality time with my family uh, when I can. And I'm really happy to be here and speaking with this panel. Welcome, Pavna. Very much welcome. Over to you, Katia. Thanks, Michael. Thank you for having me today. Um, so, hi, I'm Katia. I'm currently the, the head of front-end development um, at Courthouse. It's a digital agency based in uh, central London. Um, I started my uh, journey a decade ago, roughly, as a front-end developer and at some point halfway through, moved more into more management role, uh, working with people. And although my, my background uh, is technology, uh, I'm really passionate about people and sort of the, the intricacies of managing people, uh, different personalities, you know, create a, a culture of sharing knowledge um, and really get the best output of each individual. Um, on a personal note, I love to travel. Uh, I recently, in the last couple of years after COVID, found a passion in hiking as well, since I couldn't travel. Um, and uh, as similar to Pavna as well, I do love to cook. Uh, but most of all, I love the, the reward that comes afterwards of eating the food I've just cooked. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Uh, we've actually got two Sangeetas on the podcast. Uh, it's the first time we've had two people with the same name, I think. So we're going to um, do a little bit of a, a, an initial introduction. So over to you, SM. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Sangeeta, Sangeeta Naik. <laughs> yeah. That's like, like, like saying Bond, James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, currently I am uh, leading one of the app teams, uh, mobile app teams at uh, The Economist. My journey started around 16, 17 years ago as um, at read.co.uk, I started there as a junior web developer, moving on the ladder, working on um, the first mobile website for read, and then the mobile apps, then leading on the team, and finally the uh, department for the mobile app development at read, and recently moved on to the Economist to look after their, um, their uh, one of their mobile apps um, at Economist. So for me, the journey from being a um, developer up to a manager and then to lead teams has been quite an interesting one. I've learned um, a lot um, on the way and it's been uh, very rewarding whatever, with whatever um, 
role I was doing at that point in time, and especially the um, con- the uh, topic of this podcast today, building a high performing team, has been the focus since I joined management. And uh, having come from a background of being a developer, it kind of resonates with me to be to bring out the best in people when we're talking about teams and how they function function best. Uh, when we are thinking of individual con- contributors and making them work work as a team towards a focus goal. And uh, in terms of <clears throat> personal passion, I um, I love traveling, reading books. But uh, as of now, the reading has mostly been listening to books. Reading I've, is a luxury for me at the moment because of a two-year-old baby that I just that I have. But uh, I'm looking forward to uh, doing a little bit more traveling as well while, while I have time now uh, going forward. And yeah, that's me. Welcome, Sangeeta. And finally, over to you, SP. SP, <laughs> yes, that's me. Thanks, Michael. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, thrilled to be part of this uh, really interesting panel. My name is Sangeeta. Sangeeta Venkat. Um, there you go. That's the born type of uh, introduction. <laughs> um, I am, um, you know, I'm a data engineering manager at Sainsbury's Digital Data and Tech, um, you know, basically working to deliver, um, you know, central data platform um, for for Sainsbury's uh, data tech. I'm, I'm someone that's basically passionate about bringing uh, people and technology together to deliver positive business outcomes. I started my career in consulting roughly about, again, about 15 years ago. Um, and that's where I basically learned to see the big picture and, and deliver projects under pressure uh, within timelines and, 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 a, you know, and strict budget. Um, and then I moved on to working up in, in, like in scale-up and startup environments to deliver modernized business intelligence platforms um, in the cloud, right? Uh, as, as many organizations were sort of starting their journey uh, from a transforming, digital transformation from on-prem to cloud. Um, so through my years of experience, I have learned to take a step back and view things in a broader organizational context. Um, I've worked in, in four different countries, um, in India, in the Netherlands, in the US, and now in, in, in the UK. And that's what kind of, you know, excites me the most, working with people of different backgrounds and cultures and, and, and sort of seeing what motivates everyone to deliver like, positive business outcomes. Uh, on a personal note, I enjoy photography a lot. Um, these days, I just carry walk around you know carrying a camera in my hand and and taking pictures of my two little kids um and then i enjoy uh reading quite a bit um and cooking yes uh, you know i i have to say cooking because everyone's mentioned cooking i enjoy cooking as well um yeah that's that's about me thanks for having me michael Absolutely, pleasure to have all four of you guys on the podcast, and, and I'm actually really looking forward to to getting stuck into the questions and hearing your answers. So yeah, let's let's get straight into it. Um, let's start off with your question, Bhavna, um, if if you'd like to ask the panel. Yeah, sure. Um, so my question is, um, how to build high performance teams, a highly performant team, uh, when there are major organisation changes going on? Fantastic. 
really good opening question and if you'd like to kick things off Katia. Yeah sure um, I mean changes <laughs> Changes are inevitable. <laughs> uh, they will uh, they will happen at some point. This is it, it's business. It's, it's just the way things are, um, and it is a constant. And no one really likes changes as well. Uh, I think it's, it's fair to say that it's human nature to sort of be like be fearful of the unknown. Um, but I think as an organization and as as leaders, uh, I really think that the only way to um, sort of keep pass on those changes to, to 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 your team members, to the people you're managing is really by showing them respect and trust. So you need to be very transparent and uh, communicate those changes with them. So conveying what the what they are, um, mm. why those changes are happening um, and and really only by understanding the what and why people can really get behind those changes. Uh, so I think that's really, really important. And I think what you really want to avoid is, of course, your team feeling sort of like off guard, being caught off guard um, and, you know, break that sort of like trust and respect for the organization. Um, and because when that goes, uh, there's really not much you can do at that point. It's really hard to get that back. Mm. Uh, it can be quite damaging as well. Um, and I think with that, um, you you sort of build with that communication you build a, a sort of a, a sense of shared vision and direction for the team as well people will understand those changes they will get behind those 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 changes they'll support them um and if it is communicated to them in a, a sort of a clear focused feasible way supported by them then um, everyone embraces it um, and when you have that people will also feel empowered to make decisions and they can move forward um, because uh, there's always that danger of affecting productivity. Um, but if um, they they understand what, what the changes are, they will feel empowered and they won't be referring to management constantly to be reassured or because they're uncertain and unclear on the direction side of things as well. Um, and the other thing I would say as well is to, um, you know, listen to the feedback of the team while those changes are happening. Um, and while they're happening but also after to learn from that experience and you know see what are the other what would you do differently uh in the future because there will be more changes uh, like i said in the beginning things things happen things change and we need to to be able to adapt and to support our teams to be able to do that mm -hmm. great stuff thanks katia and over to you sk sm <laughs> <laughs> Hello all. Uh, yeah, again, uh, in terms of changes, like changes, I <clears throat> I disagree that not uh, people do not like changes. Some people actually thrive in chaos. <laughs> so it's uh, for me. I've um, when I was re read in the last four years, we had to go through changes in in management, uh, top level positions. Four we had four changes in top level position. Our CTO change, MD change, CTO changed again. Somebody went into maternity leave. They came up, became a maternity cover. So, the top level positions change, and whenever changes like that happen, it changed the teams underneath quite a bit. So, managing them, the first thing that uh, we had to manage was to make sure that the goals, the company goals, or the strategy that uh, we are all working towards, make sure that that remains that that provides the uh, constancy or rather the um, that there's something to hook on to to mm. make sure that people are able to focus on that so that was one of the things which helped 
uh, for us to manage the change at that point in time. The other thing is, yeah, as you said, uh, Katya, listening to the feedback from them. And because everybody is different in terms of how they react to changes. Some people actually, they, 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 are, they enjoy it so much that they, they are able to carve a space uh, out from the changing environment for themselves and actually thrive in it. And some people need a little bit more uh, handholding to show how they fit because that's what uh, the difficulty what I had observed was. And while to keep the to keep a highly performing team um, alive yeah. in that yeah. environment, I mean, um, three things um, which yeah. I believe is most important. One is the, that they have a clear goal, vision that they are working towards. That's what we need to give them. And that's where the strategic goals and actually having the team vision as to what you're def- uh, um, delivering actually has impact even mm-hmm. through that change because ultimate value that we are providing are the customers. So keep the focus on the customers. Yep. So that was uh, one thing which helped. The other thing was the trust. So even though people up outside are changing, changing uh, teams um, up like t- top tier is changing, uh, the team that we were working was wasn't. So that helped in actually keeping the bond alive, being much more communicative, how they are feeling, having more one-to-ones and talking to them leaving the doors open for them to come to you to speak uh, about if they feel have anything to work, talk about and ask questions. So that's like the building the trust amongst uh, not just with the person leading it, but everybody like having mm-hmm. that, providing a clear, safe place for retrospectives and things like that mm-hmm. helped really. And um, yeah, mainly those, those were the, those, those are the main things which helped um, me to like keep the team performant through muddy waters. That end. So. Great. Thank you. Cheers, Sangeeta. And, and over to you, SV. SV, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> really, uh, you know, important point shared by Katia and, and SN. Um, it, it's important to keep, you know, keep that line of communication open and uh, tell, uh, uh, you know, just communicate the what and the why behind an organizational change. You know, Typically, um, it's it's important for us to understand why organizational changes happen, right? I mean, uh, from my experience, it's it's typically because of either external market forces driving some of the changes in your organization, or it's because of a certain transformation project, a uh, transformation uh, that your organization has started, embarked on, and and the phase, the transformation phase is changing. And as a result, you have, uh, you know, you have teams that, you know, have to evolve mm. with the with the changing phase or, you know, the roles that, you know, initially were established are no longer, you know, yeah. relevant anymore. Right. I think those are like some of the key, well, some of the main reasons I've seen why uh, organizational changes happen. So absolutely agree with everything that's been said so far in so it's important as leaders uh, to have that uh, that communication line open with everyone and and communicate the journey uh, as to where we started, where we are going, and what are some of the changes that need to be made right now in order to drive the you know drive the business values and the objectives forward. Um, so I think that's that's important. As well as it's important for you know you 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 will find that new roles are essential to take the business forward. At the same time, some of the old roles are no longer relevant. So it's important to talk to the teams and people that are 
at risk of you know losing their current roles and you know sort of tell them what the opportunities are where the organization is going and what new opportunities they might have now as a result of this consultation uh, and consultation period and collecting feedback the teams and the individual uh, individual colleagues are empowered to make the right kind of decisions and they typically end up taking one or the two kind of decisions either they embrace the change and move on to uh, move on to work in the new roles or they they start looking outside right outside of the organizations for new opportunities so yeah it's throughout this process uh, communication i think is the key um, and and collecting feedback um, and 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 then sort of like you know having your interview process for the new roles that that you're going to establish to take your organization forward so i think that's that's sort of how um, how I've seen, uh, you know, successfully teams successfully going through organizational changes. Fantastic. Yeah. It's a really interesting question for me as well. We've just learned, so sorry, done some management theory on the change model. Uh huh. Yeah. So your uh, dialogue part about the part in chaos or what's the disruption stage <laughs> is uh, just resonated with me just then. Um, yes, yeah, so I suppose back to you as well, Bhavna. How do you build high performing teams when there are major organization changes going on? Yeah, so I think thanks to everyone uh, to everyone for you know your input and I completely agree around communication, trust, sharing goals, vision. Um, so there's another thing which I've noticed works quite well uh, is and, and I think underlying all of the stuff that you've said is probably um, that in most of these changes, in order to make sure that your company performance or your team performance doesn't actually suffer is is to actively do performance change management whilst you're going through the change so essentially have a dedicated team you know that would have a sponsorship from leadership from your main stakeholders you know and um, so that the rest of the organization is aligned to the change we can do an impact assessment of of what that change will result in you know it could be it could be as as you said Sangeeta around you know people's jobs but it could be as it could be actually business process changes or it could be you know any number of things skills change etc depending on the kind of change it is so I think um just to just to make sure that your team's performance stays in line you know I think actively monitoring and managing and having a team dedicated to doing performance management in that period of change is also quite useful I feel um, but yeah, thanks everyone for your input. It's, I've made some notes. It's great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic question, opening question and, and answers there. So moving on to the next question, uh, over to you, Katia. Thanks, Michael. Yeah. So my, my question is how to hire for a, a high performing team. Uh, I mean, I'm sure as you as you know, any experience when you add someone to, to a team is, is like, you know, adding a new variable to someone to, to a system that works already really well. Uh, and it could be disruptive in a positive or in a negative way. So, you know, what's conscious of that? So what are the things, the, the things that you look for when you when you're hiring uh, things that you look for in an individual when you're hiring for your teams? Yeah, I think I can start uh, start with that. First thing while hiring, when I'm looking at a CV is, well, CV doesn't really tell a lot in terms of how the person is going to work in a team, 
but it'll it'll tell me things like how they actually want to be want to portray themselves. So that's the first thing I look at. I look at things like um, how they have uh, are they open when when they are in the CV are they actually putting out themselves as open to um, learning. If the if the mindset is it is it a growth mindset from what they have written, I'll try and actually assess that. And then first, uh, if we are if I'm actually um, hiring for a team from the very so basically forming a team from rounds up. In that case, the first thing that I do do is actually start hiring as soon as possible. So basically, begin recruiting earlier than uh, because normally um, sometimes people just wait until they have a whole set of requirements and then start actually hiring. But I would rather look for somebody to come in and help me with the process of hiring. So that's the uh, that's what I would do, hiring a person who can help me with hiring as well. Second thing is taking a um, little bit of a strategic approach to hiring as well. Like as people come in and start working on things, seeing where the requirement lies and then hire for that requirement. So actually build gradually instead of hiring at the, all at the same time. So that's another second step, I would say. And the third thing, when I'm I'm looking at people's mindset more, more than the uh, their skill set when I'm hiring for a uh, for the team, because the person might have the best of like they might be uh, expert, but they might not be able to actually work as a team. That's when they fail the requirement of a. Uh, being a part of a high performing team because the rest of the team members have to depend on this person and they have to learn to build a trust like build trust with the rest of the team and i think trust is the underlying glue to to a high performing team so unless and until they can form that have a mindset of actually uh, sharing part of themselves to form uh, a trust uh, a team which is bonded with trust and collaboration i won't be uh, considering them for the for this particular team that I'm building. And um, another thing is, um, um, I'd also re request the team members to be part of the hiring process as well, because they would then know whether they are a good, uh, the person coming to interview is a good team fit, good team fit, fit or not. Team fit and culture fit is quite a big thing for a high performing team as well. So that's another thing. And finally, review the performance and then uh, performance of the team and keep it updated and keep people in the loop, like pe keep the team in the loop to understand what the performance is like and how they can and ask for their help to actually contribute to um, the performance metrics, performance values and how uh, keep them in the loop. That's what I would say. So that's just, yeah, that's it. Thanks, Anita. Yeah, um, well, uh, very valid points once again uh, in terms of, you know, hiring people, uh, you know, hiring colleagues with the right mindset, right? Uh, prioritizing that over uh, someone that might have just the skill set, but not the right mindset, right? Um, I, I think I'd like to basically take a step back and define what a high performing team is, right? For me, um, you know, working someone that that's working in a large organization um i've i've seen i've seen uh, you know some of the issues are that teams and colleagues are kind of lost um in in the weeds of like software development life cycle um and and you know in, in tech stack and tech debt where and and they've completely sort of lost the sight of you know what the 
uh, organization, you know, what, what the business objectives are, what is the mission that we are trying to deliver, right? I think that's it's very easy for something like that to happen in a large organization and, and where you're you're kind of working within a tech, uh, you know, within tech teams. So um, I would say that a team is high performing when they are absolutely aware of what the business objectives are, what the goals are, and and they have a very good understanding of what they who their stakeholders are, who their end customers are, and keeping all this in mind, they are able to kind of you know the team is able to make the right technical decisions, uh, and um, thereby delivering you know high customer stakeholder satisfaction in a timely manner. So I think this to me is a high performing team, and uh, also because because a team that is delivering uh, you know, positive value uh, to the stakeholders. The team is also like happy and has a high team morale. So how would I go about hiring for this kind of a team, right? Uh, and I think you, you said it right there. For me, the important thing is hiring someone with the right mindset and hiring someone who has the right values uh, that align with the long-term objectives of your organization. Um, and, and so the way we do it, uh, you know, the way that, you know, I've, I've, I've seen things happen successfully is you have a good interview pack that kind of brings out, you know, the, uh, brings out the core behavioral, uh, you know, patterns of the colleague, of the candidate as well as you know um, assesses them uh, from a technical standpoint as well uh, if 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 they are technically fit for the uh, role and how you know and kind of subjecting them to different kind of situations and how they would what kind of decisions they would take if they were in different situations uh, and and how would they apply themselves uh, and you know how would they behave in situations like that so Basically, um, I think it is important to have a good interview pack that kind of covers the behavior, behavioral side as well, as well as the technical side as well. Um, and and the other thing is that uh, you know it's important for uh, you know you pointed out that it's important for the your colleagues in the team to also interview new candidates to see if they are going to be a right cultural fit and a team fit. I think that's extremely important as well. But it's also important to kind of coach, uh, coach the, you know, coach your colleagues in the team to make sure that they are aware of what is important and what are the right characteristics to look for in a candidate, because sometimes it, it can, you know, uh, biases can creep in very mm -hmm. easily, right? Uh, there are different types of biases, so it's important to like kind of recognize, um, you know, those biases and kind of coach them to look for the right candidates. Um, and of course, like, you know, feedback is always an important part uh, of improving any process. So having, um, uh, you know, having collecting feedback from the candidates that you interview, as well as collecting feedback from the, uh, you know, from from our colleagues, colleagues as well to understand what is working, what isn't working. And if there is a changing technology landscape, right, and the roles are kind of changing. Uh, how to like you know tweak your interview process or interview packs to kind of look for the right kind of candidates. I think these are like some of the important uh, aspects of of hiring for 
uh, for a high performing team, according to me. <laughs> yeah, really good, great insights. Um, so Katia and, and Sangeeta, Sangeeta SVSN and Michael, of course. So, so I guess, again, similar to your approach, I'll take a step back not to define a high performance team, just in terms of what I do generally with some of my teams, most of my teams, is I tend to have a skills matrix for the team. And in the skills, it's not just the hard skills that we've just mentioned. So that includes like, you know, soft skills or you know, what, what are called as soft skills, but mandatory skills. Um, and, and it's generally shared with the whole team. So everybody is constantly aware where we've got the gaps. And I tend to use those for business casing any new hires as well. You know, this, these are the gaps, et cetera. Um, and I think if you've got that open dialogue going on with your team, people tend to be, you know, more aware of why somebody needs to join, you know, where the gaps are, what benefit they'll have. So intrinsically, they're, they're kind of tied into the whole hiring process. Um, so I, I would say hire for any gaps that you have that's the most important thing you know whether you know then hire with a strategy to get your ideal skilled team you know you know ha always have the this is my ideal team and then you know build towards it and all of these points have been covered Sangeeta as you mentioned don't hire all at once so I guess that's the thing you know hire towards gradually build towards your ideal team um, involving your team members in hiring and for instance um, I tend to do if you're hiring for a developer, for instance, you know, we tend to do a pairing exercise during hiring. So in which one of the members, existing members of the teams will do a pairing with the new candidate. And mm -hmm. the main reason for this is because, you know, when you're asking questions or you're getting them to do a technical test or something, you don't actually understand their thought process. Whereas when you're pairing and you're having a chat and, you know, you're walking through the candidates kind of going, oh, we could do this or we could do that. But if we did this and I think that helps you understand whether the person's going to be a good cultural fit. And I think all those attributes that you probably very specific, maybe interview packs might not bring out that kind of informal uh, conversation brings that out again to assess. Um, and and then the other thing, you know, we, we've mentioned hiring. Then another thing is to make sure that the hire actually doesn't negatively impact the high performance team. There's there's two things that I tend to do. A is obviously for them to have buddies when they come in. So a dedicated person to guide them through through almost, you know, not so much probation, just a settling in period, you know, a buddy to show them the ropes. Um to to support the team, um the the, the, the new person to settle in. And, but also the second thing that I tend to do is to plan plan this new hiring, whether it's one person or multiple people, into my team's commitments. So, you know, when you have somebody new come in the team, that can be a dip, perhaps, if you've not planned for it. So, for instance, you know, if you've got a buddy, you know, if you're thinking, if you work in story points, I'm just using that as a very like kind of tangible example that, you know, if you've got 40 people, 40 people, that's too much, 40 story points being generated <laughs> by 10 people. But, you know, you get my gist. Um, so I think if you're using velocity as a measure or if you've got KPIs that you have to hit and you know that when you're going through a hiring period that there will be an impact to just plan it in, you know, so that. You've got that that intrinsic buy-in from the team. People are not stressed about the fact you've got new people in the team and oh, I'm not able to do this because I'm supporting it. That that shouldn't be, you know. And and I think automatically when you do all of that, the performance of your team kind of stays where it is, or at least where where you've agreed with everybody it will be, you know. 
so yeah, that's all. I, I think we've covered a lot of the thoughts um, that we had. Uh, what about yourself, Katia? What 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 did you what do you normally do? I mean, that was very very insightful. You guys covered uh, was very broad, but at the same time, I think you kind of covered everything really overall. I mean, the strategy side of things, the planning side of things, that is so so important to to be able to make those good decisions. Uh, plan it in, make it a gradual hiring strategy, uh, sort of uh, hiring um, plan, and and not be reactive uh, when you're hiring people because you, you just can't you can't afford to do that. Really, you need to, you need to make sure you hire the right people. Um, so yeah, I mean interview packs uh, and and having. Uh, looking at the behavioral and and the technical side of things really important i and you know again like skills matrix pairing exercises mentoring uh, and buddy schemes um the same I, I completely agree with that um and yeah i i think for me in my experience it's is literally just looking for um you know the attitude of people and the sort of aptitude you know do they want to learn um and especially in the sort of industry that we're in you know technology is ever changing uh so you know if 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 is that sort of like passion and attitude towards always learning always um uh, looking to the future uh, and staying up to date um and and the passion side of things i think i think also is very important because that means that uh the if you have passionate people on your team that will sort of like it sort of influence other people and will bring other people in uh, and um, you will cultivate a culture of innovation and a culture of knowledge sharing which i really really find very very important and i always try to to reinforce that on on my team um and of course the technical experience it's it's important and it can be more important uh, depends on also the sort of seniority of the role you're hiring for right um because a, a junior that's probably, you know, years of experience, it's not going to be that many years of experience they're going to have. But, you know, the attitude, the drive and the passion is always there, no matter the level that uh, the, the role that you're hiring for. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's the only thing I really wanted to add, because you guys really covered everything. It was really very good. Very, very insightful. Thank you so much for that. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, and as you guys know, excuse me, it's a question close to my heart. It's actually a job I do for a living, keeps the lights on here at Evolution, I suppose. Um, I was really interested in what you said, SN, about hiring for a mindset. I think that's what Evolution's done over the last two, three years when we've changed our model with the sort of podcast approach as opposed to the you know more salesy type of people. And uh, SV, I think interview bias is actually un underrated. It doesn't get brought up enough. Because otherwise, teams will be just little mini mini leaders of the of the leader. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting point. And and uh, and and, and Bavna, um, if we've actually got a future podcast that I'm, I might have mentioned already to you, is pairing necessary as a debate, <laughs> a one-on-one -on -one versus another manager? If, if you're all for it, yes, I'll look for it. <laughs> we, we'll get you on that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, yeah. I'm pro pairing. Of course, yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah, re really interesting question and answers. And um, let's let's go over to your question. Yeah, my question to the panel would be um, how to foster a culture of innovation in teams. That's a great question, um, SN. Um, I can go first. Uh, a few things come to my mind. And, you know, on the topic of pairing, I think that's one of the things that we do uh, extensively as well uh, at Sainsbury's because I think that's one of the crucial and key things, you know, enabling uh, for you know enabling a culture of collaboration um, and pairing kind of gives 
you know gives brings all those ideas uh, to mind and and it gives us an opportunity to kind of innovate that's one of the key things i would say um the you know the other thing that you know one of the key things that i've also observed is that uh, it is important to adopt um a devops mindset right and and automate your processes as much as possible with like you know ci cd automating you know using you know having a good unit test coverage automating your uh, deployments and reducing the time to deployments um i think this is crucial the, the reason i say this is crucial is that if your teams do not have automated processes then uh, your teams are going to spend a lot of time on uh, dedicating their time to like you know manual processes and therefore it doesn't give them time for uh, you know time to think about innovation or time to think about you know strategic uh, initiatives um, and and yeah for me that is one of the key things and also you know it might you know if if there are no automated processes process in place then you know issues such as incidents or bugs can end up taking a lot of your time so for me i think that's one of the key things uh, the other things that you know that have worked really well especially in saints free tech is that we offer a day of personal development uh, you know all colleagues have a day of personal development uh, once in a couple of weeks so that's once every sprint where we're all encouraged to think about tech that we usually don't use on our day to day so it kind of gives us an opportunity to think about solving problems in in a different way um uh, so you, you know basically allowing the time and space for your teams um as, as well as you know organizing hackathons um at a more uh, you know broader level as well as you know if uh, at at individual team levels as well have have you know really been quite helpful we kind of like partner with our technology partners such as it you know amazon and and snowflake etc uh the other thing that has also worked out really well is engaging closely with our customers and stakeholders so we have something called you know store closeness where uh during all peak trading seasons like christmas and 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 easter colleagues are encouraged to like you know go out and support the store colleagues um and and that kind of you know gets us closer to them and understand their pain points um and it it gives us an opportunity to think about you know the areas that we could you know improve upon and and deliver iteratively so uh, that has also kind of worked uh, very well for us so i would say these are you know these are a few ways how uh, we could we could focus on um, building innovative uh, you know teams to innovate to solve problems awesome ideas thanks uh thanks as we Bhavna. That's grand. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, um, Sangeeta. I was just, I was thinking regular hackathons. You know, I absolutely love doing a great hackathon. Absolutely love it. I just, I get super excited. I'm like, oh, can I help, please? Um, I think hackathons are are really brilliant to bring out uh, the innovative side of everybody in the team. Um, the one thing that I've found over the last few years is actually it's useful to have the hacker hack days or hackathons sponsored by the leaderships with a commitment to take the hacks seriously. I.e take it to the backlog and put it live. I mean, that really is a bigger incentive than giving the winner 50 quid Amazon voucher or something, honestly. So absolutely agree with you. Um, team rotations and secondments. I mean, you mentioned special days when the tech teams go into the business, but in general, 
I'd like I like to to encourage team rotations and secondments as well. Um, you know, any way to get fresh talent into an existing team, although I understand it can be a bit disruptive. But again, that's disruption, you know, fosters innovation sometimes. Hiring grads, if you can, you know, if, if you've got that capacity to hire grads, that's really good. Um, and obviously having learning sessions as well. And in generally, you know, I think encouraging a safe culture where people are free to explore, create POCs, proof of concepts, you know, even if you want to explore in a different language or you want to build something differently. Um, so again, again, having that as part of your culture of how you generate work um, and A-B testing, which is, as you know, a very kind of obviously specialized uh, way of doing innovation led by the product teams. So we do a lot of that as well. And I absolutely, I think, Oh, back in one of my previous jobs, we used to have a community of practices around, you know, sort of job, job families. And, you know, one of the community practice was innovation. And we did all the cool things in that community. And I was absolutely always jumping around to be participating in it. So, yeah, so I think those um, I, I would say would be my go to things to do. Awesome. Great ideas, especially the one about uh, the sponsoring, getting the sponsorship and seeing those hackathon ideas live. I suppose that you that de definitely doesn't exist. <laughs> Thanks, Bhavna. Katya? Awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Bhavna. You really touched upon something, you know, the proof of concept side of things, encouraging that. Yeah, completely agreed. I think from my side, I probably approach this slightly um D different in the sense that I work in a digital agency, uh, mm. the sort of work is kind of up and down uh, and it changes. So uh, it's when um, there is less uh, work sometimes, um, you know, we have a lot more space to sort of explore uh, the sort of new ideas. And as a leader, I try to encourage this is the time, explore and and give that ownership to, to, to the team members to, to really look what you want to achieve, what you want to research and, you know, do these proof of concepts as uh, Bhavna mentioned. Uh, I also encouraging doing regular knowledge sharing sessions where I welcome any sort of um, ideas, topics, um, or it, it could be something as broad as, uh, you know, what is Web3, a uh, big topic of conversation at the moment. You know, it doesn't have to be specific to work that we're doing right now. It could be just a generic topic. Uh, um, and yeah, so just I think it's really about having this sort of culture within your team uh, where people feel that their ideas are welcome. Um, we are open to, to their sort of ideas and we reward those ideas as well. So if you bring something to the table, we will be rewarded. And even if something, you know, is not quite, uh, that idea might not be sort of like necessarily, uh, you know, the right thing, you know, as a leader, you can help the person really tweak that and, you know, provide that sort of feedback, help them tweak and encourage them as well. And I think then other people will see that. And it's really sort of like cyclical because it, you see uh, one sees the idea being um, um, sort of rewarded, the other person will understand, okay, then, you know, I feel empowered to do the same. Uh, so it's just like rewarding risk risk takers is really important and showcasing, you know, uh, you know, or, and giving the credit for that person for bringing something up is it, really, really good. Um, and the other thing that I was going to mention, and this maybe comes with hiring as well, but having a, a, a diverse set of experiences on your team, 
um, and different perspectives and backgrounds or technical backgrounds or Great. whatever, um, it really brings a, a different set of, of, of ideas uh, from different uh, perspectives. Um, and overall training as well, just encourage training and lead by example, I would say as well. So show that you're also doing some, uh, you know, you're always learning and you're always encouraging people to, to, to train and advocate for that. Allocate, make the effort to always have some time allocated for them. And uh, you guys already mentioned that as well, uh, to have some team rotations as well. Sell that to senior management uh, and to whoever can really help with that sort of uh, decision. Um, and yeah, I think th those are the main things that uh, I would have to, to add as well. William, yeah, it's a really interesting question and, and answers there. I suppose back to you, SN. How, how do you foster a culture of innovation in your teams? I think uh, you guys covered most of it. That oh, And we're doing quite a lot of uh, all of the things that uh, has been mentioned. Not all, quite a lot, few things over here, especially the hackathon and sponsoring of hackathons. And when see, people see that ideas being live, that's, uh, that's always a very power, powerful thing. But another thing that uh, actually has, I, I wouldn't say it's um, easy to actually uh, foster, but rewarding failures as well. So whenever an idea is, it make people feel safe to actually bring out those ideas, even if they might not result in success. So in that manner, like uh, uh, making up, making a, creating a safe space for these ideas to actually grow. Um, so uh, bringing up uh, failures, even if those ideas have been failures, bringing those up in as a learning exercise, as, a, as something that we have tried, but keep that on and can, um, make sure that people are aware that this has been tried. There's a safe sp space for uh, them to actually try these ideas. That is something that has uh, really helped to uh, bring people's and diversity was another thing that Katya mentioned, another uh, thing that I kind of uh, um, foster in my teams is make sure that when we are looking at a problem like approach uh, go to the pop, pop, uh, go to the teams with problem statements mm. not with activities that they have to do with uh, to solve that problem statement so that way it generates innovative ideas from the grounds up saying okay in order to solve this uh, this problem for the customer this is these are the different things that we can try so that was that has always worked. But thank you all for all the brilliant ideas. Like we can definitely use um, a little bit more about like um, hiring grads and uh, getting, uh, of course, A-B testing is still getting used. Yes, I have also made notes because this is definitely <laughs> going to be useful to, <laughs> to me. <laughs> no, but that's what we're here for, to exchange um, ideas and learn, right? So, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, and I think the best teams are always, it, not just in hackathons or ideas, share things with the managers and want to be safe. There's no, nothing worse than like an autocratic leader and, and team members have to go to HR and then they sort of, oh, why don't you tell me? It's probably or or team you, members you're... that don't open up. So that that's yeah. the <clears> other <throat> flip side, you know? <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, really, really good points. All right, so moving on to the, f the final question, over to you. I, I was going to say, I think a lot of what's what's been discussed is also probably relevant to this question, you know, like creating uh, psychological safety, creating an environment for, uh, you know, allowing colleagues to like, you know, experiment and fail fast kind of uh, mindset. Um, uh, so with that in mind, uh, I suppose my question to the panel is, how do you measure performance for teams? 
and and how do you manage underperformance? Mm. Let me let me try and have a um, go at that one first. Um, so I, so I guess you know um, Sangeet as we. When you started off talking right at the beginning, you were you were kind of defining what a highly performing team is. So just tapping onto that bit, do you know the answer to your question on how do you measure performance? It depends on it depends on how you define a highly performing team, right? Do you define a highly performing team based on the happiness factor in the team? <laughs> or do you define them on the basis of velocity? Do you define them on the basis of the quality of the product that's shipped or the lead time to ship? You know, so I guess. I would say that I guess you could measure however you want to measure performance, but first you need to agree with the team. What is it that you, you're kind of using it as an attribute for saying this, these, or these are the attributes or the KPIs that I'm going to use, or we're going to use as a team to say, we're going to use as a baseline to go and measure how our performance is. Right. And I, and I guess once you've agreed with those things, um, what I would do is probably put all of those key, you know, indicators, so as to say, in almost something like a health survey. So you can obviously get ready-made templates out of the box on on um, on the internet, but I would say you should probably identify with your teams what those key things are that matter to the team, and that would result in you kind of saying, I've got a highly performing team, here you go. And here are the key indicators that I'm using to measure the performance. And look, what I'm doing is I've got a routine in which we as a team, we do a survey, you know, call it the team's health survey. We measure how we're doing against it. We take actions from it to improve or to or to or to sustain the level of our health, you know, so as to say. And, and you know, it could be the indicators could be anything from the happiness of the team, the, the like, you know, the velocity, the communication. Is your backlog healthy? You know, are are your, you know, kind of team members, do they feel supported? Do they think they are, it, what's the code, code base health? You know, any number of things. But I would say limit it to the top few um, and, and then manage it. And, and one of the things that I found, particularly when you are, working when one of your key goals is to have a highly performing team is to actually um, discuss the outcomes openly, but also um, display them visibly. So like maybe have a board and I know we're all now in a hybrid mix, but but maybe a board that you share with your team and kind of go, look, these are the three key things. And maybe it could just be the three key things that matter most to the team in terms of the team's performance. And here is where we're doing, and actually, it's it's actually quite motivating to see where you are. So, you know, one side member, I had a really high performing team. Something happened, and our performance dipped, and we all agreed on an action plan. And there were a couple of things that we knew we had to do together. So, one of one of it was as simple as knowledge sharing, you know, and us getting. And then again, the skills matrix was used. So, this is where we are, and this is and this is affecting the performance of the team. So then we were measuring it and actually looking at it every retrospective, we would do a five minute quick survey amongst us to see where we were. And then we could track it and see how we were going. Um, and, I and I guess, you know, that helps with the underperformance bit as well. How do you manage it? So I feel if you're doing something with the team, agree with the team actions in terms of how you're going to manage it. So obviously it's very important not to single out individuals, even if it's actually coming out from an individual you know and you know that but I think you know manage it 
agree, discuss the outcomes, results, and agree to abide by those things and measure it frequently. That's pretty much where I would leave it at. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll answer as well. Um, no, there was really, really good points, Bhavna. There, it was really, really good. Um, I think, um, I think from my, my experience working in an agency, I mean, we, we do have uh, going back to to what you mentioned in terms of like supporting sort of goals and you know, there's metrics that you can use to, to to sort of measure performance and that's going to vary on the team as well what sort is valued but you know you can you can easily check efficiency the quality of the output and productivity um and that's very valuable uh but i think from my perspective i don't i don't think you can really take that data at face value uh, and that's what you're saying as well it's really informative but it doesn't really cover you know other skills as you mentioned in uh, like soft skills and that sort of thing and i really like what you said in terms of setting like making it very obvious either he's in a board or not sort of like the values of that team and what to look for and what to aim um, to manage performance against that. Um, I find it really helpful just the feedback from team members. Um, doesn't matter uh, the level they are, if they're junior, they're grads, they're not, um, you know, everyone has something to, 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 to contribute and they will have again, you know, the diversity side of things. It bring, they all bring different aspects to the table, different ideas. Um, and that will hopefully help you understand if you know what is happening. Uh, if sometimes could be a person that is not contributing uh, that much, or is not engaging, is not showing initiative, um, or is not supporting other people, um, uh, like more junior people, um, uh, or even you know just not engaging at all. So. I think continuously talking to team members uh, kind of brings up those problems and highlights them, right? Um, and and the way I say, I would I would see how to address it. I mean, as soon as you notice an issue or you hear about an issue, address it, talk to people, understand what is happening. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, we, we, we no one really wants to fail. Uh, the team doesn't want to fail. An individual doesn't want to fail, um, and we don't want to. Uh, as Bhavna was saying as well, we don't want to single out people, even if that's a problem with an individual. Um, but it's trying to get all of the information to be able to make informed decisions. Uh, and sometimes it could just be that actually there is increased tech debt. So uh, the people, you know, the team is just uh, less efficient because of that. So, uh, you know, they'll be on me to go and talk to, to, to stakeholders that this needs to be prioritized. This is an issue. And again, we have metrics to prove this and hopefully we'll have metrics to show after that's been addressed that uh, we can fix it and it has been fixed now. Um, but also it could be to individuals uh, that are not working well together. So th there's so many different issues and there's so many different ways of dealing with it. Uh, it's just, I really think it's just getting to the root of the, the cause of the problem. And then, you know, you either talk to individuals separately or if it's to individuals, talk to them. Um, and uh, if it's something that the team as a whole can fix, involve everyone and uh, establish that sort of us mentality and we're going to work as a team, we're going to fix this problem. Um, so yeah, that's that's the way um, I would address it. Yeah, all good, great points in, to solve the problem. Um, to this question, I'll take a little bit of different approach, uh, following on from Bhavna's uh, point of way, uh, thinking about measuring. How do you actually measure the performance uh, from a? Uh, what do you use to actually measure the performance? In terms of a company, the reason why we come together as a team is to deliver value to the customers. 
otherwise there was no reason for this team to be there so which is why i would say that the the way we can start measuring it at a very top level is is the team actually delivering value to the customers that may take different forms in terms of met, in, in in the form of metrics but if the team is like we can measure that and then if the team is not delivering that value then we can delve down into the roots of is it the happiness factor is it Correct. any something outside the Agreed. is it outside the team the team's um, um ownership which is affecting the team in some way or is it internal then we can address those matters but i think in order for the team to be to um perform at its best the the most important thing that they need is trust as i said second thing is ownership or rather account ownership and along with that comes accountability mm-hmm. and if there are people who are not uh, like underperforming in that terms then there are various ways of actually handling this issue but communication is a key so um two sides there's always two sides to the coin so if they are not performing there is do we know their story we know our story but do we know their story and then trying to actually assess that so that is how i would i would look at this problem from uh from my perspective yeah yeah thanks a lot all great points uh, bhavna katya and and sangeeta i think uh yeah i, I really liked uh you know going back to what bhavna said uh you know it's important as a team you know you sit together and agree that what does success mean to your team and how do you define that um and 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 based on that kind of take a few key factors that would define uh high performance or success it could be like you know the the quality the the lead time uh the happiness uh you know basically defining like the defining a health check process right i i think i really like the idea um i completely agree to what sn said also uh, uh in terms of um in terms of delivering value to the customer i think it's it's important for the customers also to be happy uh, team happiness is one thing customer happiness is another uh, thing you know basically it's important for us to identify uh, what delivers value to our customers and making sure that the team is on on course to deliver that right and uh, i really liked what katya said as well um, basically taking the, the you know feedback from from colleagues from the team members and continuously talking to them um and and most importantly addressing issues uh, as quickly as they crop up because nobody really wants to fail right i think that's the that's the key as well and and i i suppose we've kind of you know uh, these are all good points and and uh, i've i've kind of seen some of these being adopted some of these are uh, great points for me to like you know take on and and implement as well um uh, going back to my um experience um i think i've i've like you know I, as i said i've we've i've kind of uh, you know done few bits here and there based on what everyone shared uh, already but uh one thing i suppose that uh, i would like to highlight is that again uh you know creating that psychological safety that environment of you know psychological safety and allowing allowing everyone in the in the team to uh perform at their best uh as as much as possible right i think that's the key and we go back to uh you know the core 
value behaviors and and there's something uh, you know that that's something very important for us um, at Sainsbury's so we have about you know three uh, set of like value behaviors and and we call it own it uh, make it better and be human right basically uh, and everyone you know we come together especially during retros um, and and we have this process of collecting wind feedback like what you know we we reflect upon our past performances and we talk about what went well uh, what needs improvement and what do we do next right as part of this i think the core behaviors uh, come together we talk about like you know how we could own it own certain processes and make make it better and um, you know, and and we also, you know, I I encourage my colleagues to be vulnerable as well, uh, and and share uh, any of their, you know, any any problems that they might have. Um, it, you know, it it could be in on one to ones, you know, having that individual conversation, trying to understand where along the journey is everyone, because it's it's difficult to be highly performing at all times, right? Uh, so. Again, I think we we did discuss about having that uh, line of you know communication open and communicating you know what what may be going on, uh, which may be impacting performance. I think that's uh, well you know that's that's important as well. Uh, uh, so I think those are important aspects of of uh, you know just talking and addressing issues and and making sure that uh, uh, if if there is any issue you know address it uh, immediately again going back to what Katya said uh, are all like you know important uh, points and I think uh, we also discussed about troubleshooting teams right because it might be very well uh, it like I think again Katya you you probably said this that it might be very well due to like you know tech debt or yeah. a broken broken issue uh, broken process um, it, it's just important to troubleshoot uh, the process and understand troubleshoot the team and understand what is wrong and and have that conversation either openly as a team or if it is down to individual performances having individual conversations um, and understanding how things can be changed I think that's that's definitely one of the keys to uh, managing uh, performance and and measuring you know basically uh, managing underperformance as well uh, great points. Thanks everyone for uh, chipping in. Really, really uh, enjoyed uh, the conversation. Yeah, amazing final question and answers there. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely one of the, the longer podcasts. This one, which is which is a great sign, shows everyone's you know got stuck into the conversation, which is obviously what we want. Um, yeah, does anyone have anything final to add or any other questions for each other? <laughs> Yeah, it is lunchtime here as well. I've not had any lunch yet. I'm going to be shooting off soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, really enjoyable podcast. Um, I don't know if, if it was one or two people's first time, but it just felt like really good, really enjoyable conversation. Um, and everyone was was a natural. Um, I'm, still, I, I'm, I'm still new to it myself, as if you, as you all know in a moment. But yeah, really enjoyable. And um It'll be edited and uh, sorry, it'll be posted and published soon. Edited, you said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm editing that bit out. No, so this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank Bavna, Katia, 
SN and SV providing <laughs> their insights to the topic and you know really appreciated it thank you very much guys if you'd like to be on a future podcast please reach out to me on LinkedIn directly or email me at michael.sullivan at evolutioncontract.co.uk